0: I want to welcome you all back, alhamdulillah, to the first. We had a, a little bit of a break and I want to encourage you all inshaAllah If you missed the last few weeks, one of the things that I was trying to do was to look at the hijrah through the lens of some of the most crucial figures that were involved in the hijrah of the Prophet Sallallahu And then of course, last week, alhamdulillah, we released the documentary on the martyrs of Amwas. May Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala be pleased with them all, many of the companions of the Prophet Sallallahu as well as the tabi'een, as well as the next generation. And inshallah, Ta'ala, over the next few weeks, we're going to go over some of the most tragic incidents surrounding the Prophet Sallallahu and some of those heroes that rose to the occasion. And subhanAllah, there are a few individuals in the seerah who are almost frozen in time when it comes to one particular incident in the biography of the Prophet ﷺ. And they're known really for one thing and one thing alone. And that is the case of the person that we're going to be talking about today. So tonight we'll focus on the battle of Uhud. And then Inshallah, ta'ala over the next two weeks, we'll look at some of the things that happened immediately after Uhud where the tragedy of the battle of uhud was actually compounded but in the midst of that great tragedy you find these shining stars and these people that really stood up and sacrificed themselves in the cause of allah and the messenger sallallahu and so the person that we're talking about today is a man by the name of abu dujana radiallahu ta'ala anhu and there is absolutely nothing that's narrated about this man that doesn't involve battle right so an absolute warrior of a human being, a young man who stood up in defense of the Prophet Sallallahu alaihi Wasallam, and whose life provides an insight into many of the wisdoms of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam about how he didn't break the spirit of a person when it came to their zeal, but instead he redirected it Alayhi Wasallam. And you'll understand InshaAllah Ta'ala as we go through the life of Abu Dujana Ta'ala uh, Anhu. So first and foremost, like many others, he's famous for his nickname, but his actual name is not very well known to the Muslims. So, his actual name is Simak ibn Kharasha. Simak ibn Kharasha. And I searched and I searched and I searched and I uh, spent a lot of time trying to find out why he's nicknamed Abu Dujana and I could find absolutely nothing. So, his actual name is Simak ibn Kharasha. And as for his nickname, Abu Dujana, everything as to why he might be named that is purely a guess that some of the contemporary writers tried to take their best shot at, but we know him as he is radiAllahu ta'ala anhu, Abu Dujana, Seemak ibn Kharshah radiAllahu ta'ala anhu. Seemaq ibn Kharasha was from the tribe of Banu Saida. There's gonna be a lot of history to sort of introduce this lesson, inshaAllah. Banu Sa'ida, if you go to Medina now, one of the most prominent preserved sites right outside the Masjid of the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam is the Saqifa of Banu Sa'idah, the tent, the garden of Banu Sa'idah. And this is where Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu famously took his pledge, took his bay'ah to become the Khalifa of the Muslims. And so it's a preserved site right outside the Masjid of the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam. And so obviously the saqifah, that area belonged to, that tent belonged to, Banu So he's from this tribe, Banu Sa'ida, which was a sub-tribe of Al-Khazraj. So you got the two main tribes, Aus and Khazraj, and you have a sub-tribe of Khazraj, Banu Sa'ida, and Abu Dujana radiAllahu ta'ala anhu comes from this tribe. Now this is one of the more powerful tribes of Medina, which means that they have a sense of leadership before and after Islam, which gives them a certain level of authority. And the most famous member of this tribe was none other than Sa'ad ibn Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu, one of the Sa'ids. So Sa'ad ibn Ubadah was a cousin of Abu Dujana radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And we know if you go back and you, you look at the role that Sa'ad ibn Ubadah played, uh, he was a candidate for being a khalifa, right? That the Ansar would have gathered behind, but of course everyone gathered upon the khalifa from the muhajireen being Abu Bakr as siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So when Islam comes to Medina, and Sa'id ibn Ubadah embraces Islam. Abu Dujana radiyallahu ta'ala anhu was a young man from that tribe. And he was someone who used to practice all of the arts of war. So he used to practice with the spear. He used to practice with his sword. He used to practice horseback riding. He used to practice camelback riding. He used to do all sorts of things to uh, warm himself up for the moment that he would have to shine in. And subhanAllah, growing up, you've got to understand that these young men were thinking that they would participate in some of the tribal wars in which people would fight each other over silly reasons in Yathrib at the time, over which their fathers killed each other. So he was being groomed to be a chief warrior in some of those inner tribal battles that would take place at the time. But instead, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had different plans for him. So I want you to kind of get the image in your mind. And it's always interesting to me that you have a parallel from Mecca and Medina sometimes, like you have Mus'ab bin Muadh. Uh, here he is very similar to Az-Zubayr ibn Awam radiAllahu anhu in Mecca, just a man who's been groomed for war and battle his entire life, a youth who spent his entire life practicing for the moment that he would have in the battlefield. So when Islam comes to Medina, we don't have the exact moment that this young man embraces Islam, but we do know that he was amongst the three that went around the city of Medina and that basically broke the idols that disposed of the idols uh, of Al Medina, was Sa'd ibn Ubadah, Abu Dujana, and Mundir ibn Amr. So these were the three young men that basically once the people embraced Islam, went around and they disposed of the idols that used to be worshiped before Islam would come to them. So the Prophet وسلم, comes to Medina and he meets this young man. And everything about this young man is confidence and zeal and being ready for the moment of war. And the Prophet of course, paired people off from the Muhajireen and the Ansar, and this was called the Muakha, where he took the Muhajireen, he put them with their counterparts from the Ansar. So the Meccans would be with the people of Medina. And you find that it's often that the Prophet paired people off in accordance with their backgrounds, not their tribal backgrounds, but what their characters were like. And so he paired him Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam with a man by the name of Utbah ibn Ghazwan. Utbah ibn Ghazwan عنه, who we have an episode about is as early as the seventh person to embrace Islam. So one of the first Muslims in Mecca, uh, someone who made hijrah to Abyssinia and to Medina. He made both of the hijras. Someone who fought every battle alongside the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, his sister Uh, embraced Islam early, was was married to Uthman radiallahu anhu, and another sister of his, uh, Basra, was the wife of Abu Hurairah ta'ala anhu. So Utbah bin Ghazwan is a warrior who embraced Islam early on with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and who used to lead armies and battalions under Umar bin khattab radiallahu anhu, and was one of those who was key in defeating the Persian Empire at the time. So Utbah radiAllahu ta'ala Anhu is actually the one who conquered what is now al-Basra in Iraq. So you can imagine that household, right? You got two young men that both basically do nothing but practice for battle and practice for war. And they're waiting for the moment to be summoned by the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Abu Dujana radiAllahu ta'ala Anhu is one of those who gets to participate in every battle with the Messenger of Allah So he's one of the veterans of Badr. And there is an important context here with the Battle of Badr that those who fought in the Battle of Badr and who were able to kill some of the seniors of the Meccans were particularly marked for death, right? Now obviously Uhud was all about revenge on the Muslims, Because the Meccans thought that they would easily squash the Muslims in the Battle of Badr, right? They came out there basically with the mentality of a party. We're going to kill them once and for all, wipe them off the face of the earth. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them victory. And so you had hit lists that basically remain in Mecca for those who took out some of the prominent leaders of uh, Quraysh in the Battle of Badr. So he's one of those people. So Abu Dujana, radiallahu anhu, we don't have an image of him, particularly in terms of what he did in Badr, but we know that he took out uh, two of the leaders of Mecca. So one of those whom he killed was a man by the name of Zam'a ibn al-Aswad ibn al-Muttalib. Zem'a ibn al-Aswad ibn al And Zem'a was one of those who was a staunch opponent of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And he's also someone who, whose son Al-Harith had become Muslim and he basically tortured his son out of islam so Az-Zama tortured his son al harith out of islam and this is the context of the verse in surah al nisa verse 97 in which allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions ladina malaikatu fiha so this verse where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about people who die and then the angels ask them about their state. And they say that we were weak and oppressed. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responds and says, wasn't the earth of Allah vast? Meaning couldn't you have made hijrah? So this is a verse of blame towards Al-Harith ibn Zama because he renounced his Islam and he did not make hijrah because the circumstances became difficult. Sabu so Dujana radiAllahu ta'ala Anhu was responsible for uh, for overcoming him in the Battle of Badr. And he was responsible for overcoming a man by the name of Asim, Ibn Abi Auf. So all of this is just to give you an introduction to Uhud. Right, Abu Dujana was probably about 20 years old when the Battle of Uhud comes. He's truly a young man. And he's someone who everyone knows for one purpose, he doesn't get involved in anything else. And this is where we find the chapter in Sahih Muslim, باب من فضائل أبي دوجانا سيماك ابن خرشة رضي الله تعالى عنه. The virtues of Abu Dujana, Simak ibn Khurashe, رضي الله عنه. And we learn about our hero today. Simak Abu Dujana رضي الله تعالى عنه uh, narrates, and this is in fact narrated from Anas ibn Malik رضي الله عنه, that as the battle of Uhud takes place. And I want you to kind of put yourself back in Uhud and next time you go to Uhud, may Allah write you down a Umrah or a, a hajj accepted one. I want you to kind of visualize this. The Prophet ﷺ in the beginning of every battle bestows a special honor on somebody. And you can find this in every single battle. SubhanAllah that one person is marked with some sort of special honor in the beginning of the battle. And sometimes more than one but there is always that one person, right? So in the battle of Badr, it was a zubair anhu, who wore his yellow turban and all of the angels came down with the look of a zubair radiallahu ta'ala anhu. In Khaybar, it was Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam said that, I'm going to give it tomorrow to someone who Allah and His Messenger love and who loves Allah and His Messenger SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam. And it was Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam always has this honor that he bestows upon a person before the battle. And there's certainly a divine wisdom to this. So the Prophet ﷺ, before the battle starts, he holds out his own sword SallAllahu And the Prophet ﷺ said, من Who's going to take the sword from me? Now, here's the thing. Obviously, this is more honorable than holding a banner. This is more honorable than holding any type of cloth. You're holding the sword of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Who's going to hold my sword in this battle? Here's the thing about the Prophet Sallallahu Did the Prophet Sallallahu used to fight in the battle himself? Yes. The Messenger of Allah sallam, would be in the front lines. But the Prophet Sallallahu would not kill. He would fight. He would knock down. He would participate. But the Prophet Sallallahu wa was a mercy. He wouldn't kill, alayhi salatu wasalam, so he would not de- deliver a fatal blow to anyone alayhi salatu wasalam. But here in the beginning of this battle, Prophet puts out his hand and says, who's going to take this sword? So obviously, Abu Bakr, Ali, Talha, Zubair, right, the familiar ones, everyone comes out and says, Ana ya Rasulullah, Ana, I'll take it, O Messenger of Allah, I'll take it, this is once in a lifetime opportunity, so much so that no one else has ever had this virtue bestowed upon them. We don't know of any other companion who's going to have this particular virtue bestowed upon them. And so, كُلُّ إِنسَانٍ مِنْهُمْ يَقُولْ أَنَا أَنَا Everyone put their hand forth and said, Ya Rasulullah, I'll take it, I'll take it. And then the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, فَمَنْ يَأْخُذُهُ بحقته. But who will take it with its right? Now, the companions understood that the Prophet was about to attach a condition. So they all kind of hesitated at that point. So they put their hands down and they wondered what the Prophet meant when he says, Who's going to take it with its right? Meaning, with with all of its responsibilities, with everything that comes with it. This isn't just something you get to wave around in the Battle of Uhud. Who's going to take it with its right? And what is the haqq of it? The Prophet said afterwards. That you don't kill any believer with it, and that you don't flee from the enemy no matter what. Prophet is foreshadowing how this battle is going to go down, and he saw some of the visions that would take place that people would be chased and people would be uh, put in very difficult circumstances. And this was a battle in which many people would end up fleeing. So, the haqq of the sword of the Prophet is that the one who's carrying the sword of the Prophet will not turn against his own, nor will he flee from the opponent at any point in the battle. So Abu Dujana radiAllahu ta'ala he put out his hand and he says, Ana ya I will take it, O Messenger of Allah, with its full rights and with its full responsibility. So the Prophet SallAllahu he handed it to Abu Dujana Anhu and he said, take it with its right, Take it with its right." Now SubhanAllah, you can imagine the responsibility, the honor, the virtue, the way that this young man has now instantly been boosted and elevated in the eyes of the companions. Now there was one person who says that I put out my hand as well and the Prophet وسلم, did not give me that sword. And it was a Zubayr radiAllahu ta'ala anahu. A Zubayr ibn Awam radiAllahu ta'ala anhu. He says, describing that moment, Qala, wajadtu fee nafsi heena sa'altu Rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam al-sayf, fa ma'na'nihi wa'atahu abadu Wa He said that I, I was I was hurt on the inside. I kind of felt something on the inside of me when the Prophet ﷺ gave the sword to Abu Dujana instead of me, and I said to myself, "I am the son of Safiya, the aunt of the Prophet ﷺ, woman and I am from Quraysh." And he says, "Wa He said that I actually asked him for the sword before Abu Dujana did. I put out my hand before Abu Dujana and of course, this is characteristic of Zubayr ta'ala anhu, that Allah has honored him in the past and will honor him after this because Zubayr is always right there, right? The Prophet SallAllahu says something, the boogeyman comes out, whoever it is, Zubayr anhu jumps. So he's saying, I'm his cousin, I'm always there. And I was thinking to myself, why did the Prophet SallAllahu turn away from me and give it to Abu Dujana? So he said, Wallahi, لَأَنْظُرَنَّ مَا يَصْنَعْ So he said, I'm going to watch this man in battle. Like, I can't believe that the Prophet ﷺ ended up giving it to someone other than me. And subhanAllah, there's a hikmah to this, there's a wisdom to this that Abu Dujana was from the Ansar. He's from the young men of Medina. And the Prophet ﷺ knows what he's doing. It's not just honoring an individual, it's also distributing the virtue amongst the people sallallahu Alaihi wasallam. If he continues to only honor the muhajireen, the people of Mecca, the, the forerunners from Mecca, then it's going to send a particular type of message to the Ansar, and the Prophet sallallahu wasallam does not want that. So that's certainly part of the hikmah. And it's not knock on on Zubayr ta'ala anhu, but rather it's something that Allah intended for Abu Dujana radiAllahu ta'ala anhu as well. And Zubayr radiAllahu anhu he continues in some of the narrations and he basically starts to talk about what he was capable of in war. And Zubayr Zubair anhu had the unique ability of what? He used to be able to sit on a horse and he used to be able to use both of his hands with swords and control a horse in battle with his legs alone. That was the strength of Zubayr radiAllahu ta'ala anhu. So Zubayr is like, I'm gonna watch this man and see how he carries himself in battle because he must be special In order for the Prophet to prefer him to me, and I felt something inside of me like, why him instead of me? And then he continues. And this is where the famous uh, harakah, the famous move of Abu Dujana comes from. He said that Abu Dujana pulled out a red bandana. Okay? And he tied this red bandana on his head. And then all of the Ansar got excited. And they said, Shadda Abu Dujana, Isabat al mauti ala Abu Dujana just put on the bandana of death on his head. Like, once he pulled that bandana out, we knew that it was it. So, as Zubayr is watching this, and subhanAllah, it's really interesting because the Sahaba had their marks, right? Zubayr had a yellow turban. Abu Dujana pulls out his red bandana, and this basically becomes how Abu Dujana will prepare himself for every single battle. He pulls out this red bandana, he puts it on. And basically all of the Ansar know that it's on now. <laughs> we know exactly what's about to happen, that he's going into a different mode radiAllahu ta'ala anhu. And there's something that, you know, that, that immediately resonates with Az-Zubayr anhu because az had his own mark, right? So wait a minute, he's got his mark as well, just like I've got my mark. And then Abu Dujana anhu does something that's really interesting. He starts to strut. In front of the Sahaba, he starts to walk in front, of the, in front of the Sahaba. Then he goes and he walks right up to the Mushrikeen, right up to the opponents in the battlefield of Uhud. And he starts to walk in front of them, strutting, radiallahu anhu, and twisting the sword around and basically taunting the other side. Now, the Prophet teaches humility, and this is a very different Type of attitude that they're seeing. Imagine this young man now going, puts on a red bandana and he goes and he struts in front of the opponent. And look at what the Prophet says, and this is why I said we take a lot of, of rulings and a lot of the wisdom of the Prophet from this. The Prophet says, In illa al That this is a type of walking that Allah hates, except in this type of situation. Allah hates when people walk arrogantly. Allah hates when people boast and when people talk. But he said there's a time and a place for everything. And indeed SubhanAllah, this shows you that the Prophet ﷺ, he could have condemned him, he could have admonished him, he could have called him out and said, this isn't how we act. But the Prophet ﷺ understands that there's a psychology, there's a mindset in battle as well. And Abu Dujan radiAllahu ta'ala anhu was doing this to basically show the enemy no fear, even though they were greatly outnumbered by them in those moments. Some of the scholars mentioned even the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam when he was fighting in Hunain, and the Prophet وسلم, was so brave and courageous. And he said, "Ana Ibn Abdul Muttalib." I am the Prophet, without any doubt. I am the son of Abdul Muttalib. And the Prophet وسلم, did not like in normal situations that people mention the names of their fathers, right? But the Prophet وسلم, understood the mindset, the psychology of battle that once you're in the battlefield, there's a different type of mindset. And he wanted to empower that young man Ali, salatu was salaam, so that he could feel that that sense of power and that he could raise the morale of the Muslims. So basically, you have this young man, and this is new to the muhajireen, puts on his red headband, starts and he goes, and he starts strutting in front of the Meccans, right? Waving his sword around, and all of the young Ansar are cheering him on. Right? So he's putting on a show عنه, for all of the young Ansar, and they're all getting excited about the battle as it's about to start. Now Abu anhu also has another thing that he does in battle, which is he recites poetry. So he recites poetry about the battle. So as Zubair says, he then went on to say, أَنَا الَّذِي خَلِيلِي وَنَحْنُ النَّخِيلِ أَنْ لَا أَقُومَ الدَّهْرَ فِي الكيولي wa He said, I am the one whose, whose beloved friend had taken an oath with, while we stood near the date palms. I pledge that I will not be in the back rows of the army, but that I will fight the enemy with the sword of Allah and the Messenger SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam. So he starts chanting this out. He's getting ready for the battle. And then as Zubair radiAllahu ta'ala Anhu says, the battle starts. So obviously with the battle of Uhud, you got the beginning, the first half, and you have the second half, right? The first half, which is that the Muslims once again, though they were greatly outnumbered by an army that wanted to massacre them and that had absolutely no ethics, were able to overcome them by the help of Allah and their dua, and they're sticking to the plan. The Prophet tells the archers, as we all know, to stay on the mountain of archers and to not come down until he gives them permission, salat salatu salaam that gave them their strategic advantage. They win the battle initially. And then we have the next part of Uhud, which is when those Muslims disobey the Prophet ﷺ, and then Khalid ibn Walid radiyallahu takes the army around and he attacks them. So there's really Uhud one and Uhud two. There's the first episode of Uhud and there's the second episode of Uhud. So Zubayr radiyallahu anhu was like, I wanted to see this young man. So he said, Abu Dujana walks forward. He said, this young man, puts on his armor and he, he had broad shoulders. Now Zubair was known for these huge arms, right? So he had his broad shoulders and he said, فَجَعْلَ لَا يَلْقَى أَحَدًا He said, I just watched him and he was finishing his opponents one by one. Everyone that came in front of Abu Dujana radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he went through them quickly. And he said that as he was going through and just mowing his way into the army and Zubair anhu, he's fighting, but he's also watching Abu Dujana. He says that there was a man from the other side who was cutting down everybody along the way. So he's basically watching one person from the other side mowing through the ranks, and he's watching Abu Dujana mowing through the ranks. So he says, فَجَعَلَ كُلُّ وَاحِدٍ مِنْ صاحبه. And he said, I noticed that they were getting closer to each other. Think about the visual of this. Abu Dujana is cutting through the ranks, and the other man is cutting through the ranks. Now, as anhu is being honest. az is a man who's admiring his skill right now. And he's seeing what Abu Dujana is really made of. I mean, the guy who got the sword of the Prophet instead of him. So he said, فَدِعُوتُ اللَّهَا Yajma'a يَجْمَعَ nahuma." He said, I made du'a to Allah that the two of them would end up fighting each other. <laughs> I was waiting for the moment that they'd meet. <laughs> right, Abu Dujana on one side cutting through, the other guy on the other side cutting through. قَالَ He said, so they met one another. He says, فَاخْتَلَفَ ضَرْبَتَيْنَ فَضَرَبَ Dujana. He said, so basically it was two hits. He said that the, other, the opponent struck at Abu Dujana. He said Abu Dujana intercepted his blow. He basically blocked it. And he said he hit him one time and he killed him. So Zubayr is watching him and he's like, who is this guy? Right? So he took him out with one blow. And he said that he kept on going forward. Now Ka'b ibn Malik radiallahu anhu, he has his own narration of this. Ka'b ibn Malik radiallahu anhu says that I was one of those people who went out with the Muslims on the day of Uhud. And he said, and I got injured, I was on the ground. And I noticed a person from the mushrikeen, a person from the, the disbelievers who was going forward. huwa كما استوسقت جزر النام, الغنم Come forth and be slaughtered the way that animals are slaughtered. Meaning what? He's just cutting people down, right? Slaughtering people. I mean, he was so vicious. And he said, so I was watching this. And he says, He said, and I noticed one of the Muslims was waiting for him, was basically getting ready to face him. So he said, so he basically says that I was on the ground and I basically started to move until I could catch a sight of the Muslim man walking up to this guy who's who's literally talking about slaughtering people like they're in a factory, like they're in a uh, in an animal factory. So he said, so I got to a point where I could see both of them with my bare vision. So he said, and I noticed فَإِذَا الْكَافِرُ أَفْضَلُهُمَا He said, and I noticed that the opponent was bigger and he looked more prepared. He had better armor on him and he was a bigger man. So I didn't think it was going to go well. So he said, so I kept on watching them until they finally met with one another. And he said that the bigger man attacked him. He said he dodged his blow and he said he basically sliced him into two. Not exactly that way, but he said he basically was able to get right at him and, and deliver a fatal blow to him. So I'm watching, I'm like, who is this young man? And by the way, battle is not pretty. So, I mean, it's a pretty vivid description, right? But he says, who is this young man that just took this humongous man out? And then look at, I mean, it's almost like out of a movie, how he's describing the situation. Basically, Abu Dujana knows that Ka'b ibn Malik is watching him. فقال ثم عن وجهه he said that he then took off his, his, uh, his mask and he said, كَيْفَ تَرَى ya كَعْبٍ أَنَا Abu Tujana. What do you think Ka'b? I'm Abu Tujana. Like he looks back at Ka'b and says, what did you think I was going to do? You thought he had a chance against me? Put back his, his, his mask and then kept on fighting. <laughs> so the man had a lot of courage and he had a lot of confidence and the Prophet ﷺ admired that about him and he basically is earning his reputation throughout this entire battle. But then SubhanAllah, here's something profound that takes place because remember the Muslims are a people of ethics. He basically got through the entire ranks of the mushrikeen. So as Zubair anhu says, SubhanAllah it was like the blink of an eye and he started off in the beginning and he just cut his way all the way through the army until he got to the very back. And he said, he got there so quickly that there were some women there that were chanting. And they were basically chanting poetry that uh, we're the daughters of of the star of Tariq. And they're basically saying, uh, they're riling up their own army, saying that if you advance forward, then you'll find us ready for you and and making life comfortable for you. But if you abandon your place in the battlefield and act like cowards, then there will be no more love between us, right? There are all sorts of poetry from Jahliya, poetry from from war that the women were chanting to rile up the Mushrikeen, to rile up Quraysh. So Zubair and anhu says that, I watched Abu Dujan and he went through so rapidly. I mean, he just cut through all the way to the back of the army. And then he got to the back and there was someone right under him. And that person, walwala, they shrieked and then revealed their face. And it was Hind bint Utbah, Hind, the wife of Abu Sufyan. Now, what is Hind going to do at the end of this battle? Hind is the one will have the liver of Hamza taken out of his body, will chew it out and spit it. Right? I mean, she has really bad intentions for this battle. She's out there to avenge her father Utbah. She is the main person that's riling up the Mushrikeen. And Abu Dujana has has her right under the sword, and she's actively participating. Now SubhanAllah, the, the image here, by the way, of Hind, is that Hind is actually going behind, she's getting into the battlefield and she's riling up the men. She's not staying in one place. She's trying to get them forward. And she has one thing and one thing in mind, which is I want the blood of Hamza radiAllahu ta'ala because Hamza was the one who killed her father in Badr. I want the blood of Hamza radiAllahu ta'ala So Hind was ferociously riling up the other side. And basically as Zubair radiAllahu anhu says, so right when he had his sword above her and he realized that it was a woman, he pulled the sword back. And Zubair said, I said to myself, Allahu wa a'lam. Allah and his messenger know best. Meaning, like in that situation, and remember, the Prophet ﷺ is reforming the ethics here, not killing innocent people, not killing a woman, not cutting down trees, not killing the animals, only killing the, the immediate enemy combatants, finding a way out to ransom the prisoners. All of these things are very new to them, right? So Zubair is like, but she's, she's an active participant. So I didn't know, Allahu wa rasuluhu if she really was worthy of death in that moment because she was really participating in the battle. Right? And sometimes to cut off the morale is a means of defeating the opponent. But Abu Dujana said, I let her go. So Zubair said, I went up to Abu Dujana. Now this is part one of the battle of Uhud when the Muslims basically riled them, beat them, and they appear to be retreating. And as Zubair said, I loved everything I saw from you. Everything that you did. Basically, I understand now why the Prophet ﷺ gave you the sword instead of me. He said, but there was one thing that I was very curious about, which is when you had Hind under you, like she's active, you chose to, to hold your sword back. So he's not saying to Abu Dujana, you should have killed her. He's just saying that was very curious, right? Because most people in that situation, you got to imagine as well, like when you're in that mode, right, I mean, you're fighting and waving your sword right and left. You're in that mode, like, how did you hold it back? And listen to what he says. He says, I realized that she was a woman fa akramtu sayfa rasulillahi sallallahu alaihi wasallam, an bihi He said, the sword of the messenger of Allah is too noble to strike a woman. I realized that the sword of the Messenger of Allah is too noble to strike a woman. I wasn't going to taint that amana, that trust that the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam gave me by striking a woman when the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam explicitly said to not kill the women, to not kill the innocent, to not kill anyone who's not fighting, to not cut down the trees and so on and so forth. SubhanAllah. So it shows you the ethics as well that the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam had taught these people. So this is part one of Uhud. And you can see this young man that basically shined and at this point, had the battle ended, he is one of the great heroes of that battle already, right? Because of all of the antics, because of the way that he put on a show, basically while he went forth, and he demoralized the other side, right? This other side that's three times the size of your army, Abdul Dujana basically demoralized them by cutting all the way through them. But then what happens? Khalid Murid takes the army around the mountain, and he ambushes the Muslims from behind them. And of course, because they relinquished that position of the archers, their backs were now to this army and they didn't have enough time to situate themselves once again to basically defend themselves. And this is where you start to have the profiles of courage. Those people that died trying to protect the Prophet, ﷺ, Mus'ab ibn anhu, who tried to lead the army away from the Prophet ﷺ by creating commotion away from him and lost his life the Muhajireen, Nusayba Umm amara radiAllahu anha and her entire family trying to defend the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, all of these people that we talk about and Abu Dujana is sort of the last major figure that we haven't spoken about in this regard. And he represents a group of the Ansar, a group of young men from the Ansar that decided to surround the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam instead of flee in those moments. Now Subhanallah, the imagery of Uhud is Talha ibn Ubaidillah catching arrows? Talha radiallahu anhu was literally trying to intercept any blow that he possibly could from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and the goal was to kill the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Right, so they're raining down on the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam in any way. <coughs> Abu Dujana was with a man by the name of Yazid ibn Saken radiallahu taala anhu. Yazid ibn Saken was one of the Ansar. He's the father of uh, Asma' bint Yazid, the famous orator of the, of the women, spokesperson of the women in Medina. And Yazid ibn al tries to grab the Prophet ﷺ and he was slain as he was trying to protect the messenger alayhi <coughs> Abu Dujana radiallahu ta'ala anhu pulls off something so beautiful and it's a miracle that he actually survives this moment. <coughs> Abu Bakr as siddiq anhu he says that, I saw Abu Dujana ta'ala anhu on the day of Uhud. And he said, he grabbed the messenger of Allah sallallahu and the arrow started to come on his back until he looked like a hedgehog radiAllahu ta'ala anhu. So he basically defended the Prophet life with his entire being in that moment. <coughs> <Alhamdulillah>. <coughs> so while Abu Dujana is protecting the Messenger of Allah SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam and the arrows basically start to litter his back radiAllahu ta'ala Anhu. There is a man by the name of Abdullah ibn who who is coming after the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam and he was shouting out, Ana ibn Zuhayr, Muhammad, I am the son of Zuhair. show me Muhammad. He said, by Allah, either I will kill him or I will die. One of us is going to die today. And SubhanAllah, Sa'ad says that Abu Dujana literally, I mean, imagine the image, his back was littered with arrows. So he looks like a hedgehog. You literally had to look over Abu Dujana to see if the Prophet ﷺ was still alive. That's how much of the body of the Prophet ﷺ that he was trying to cover in that moment, but miraculously, he's not going to die in this moment. SubhanAllah, when you recount this story in Uhud, you think Abu Dujana dies in this moment, he doesn't. And as Abdullah ibn Hamaid comes towards the Prophet Sallallahu he basically is poking at the Prophet Sallallahu around Abu Dujana to try to get to him. And Abu Dujana عنه, he takes his sword even as his back is covering the Prophet Sallallahu and he strikes the leg of the horse, and Ibn Humaid falls off, and Abu Dujana was able to kill him even with his back littered with the arrows. And this is where the Prophet made dua for Abu Dujana. qalallahumma rudha an ibn Kharasha, kama ana عَنْهُ raadi. O oh Allah, be pleased with the son of Kharasha, the way that I am pleased with him. SubhanAllah, you find that the Prophet prayed for those that were with him and those that were against him on that day. As for those that were with him, he made dua for Nusayba, Umm Amara, and the Sahaba to be with him in Jannah, as they requested. As for those that were against him, the Prophet said, Allahumma اخذر la Oh Allah, forgive my people. They don't know any better. And here in the case of Abu Dujana radiAllahu ta'ala anhu, the Prophet said, Oh Allah, be pleased with him as I am pleased with him. I mean, SubhanAllah, what more can you want from a man? And truly there were people that were walking martyrs after Uhud that didn't die, but it was as if they died. And Abu Dujana radiAllahu ta'ala anhu is one of those people. And after the battle of Uhud, Ibn Abbas عنهما, he narrates that the Prophet وسلم, when he came back from the Battle of Uhud he gave the sword because remember Abu Dujana had his sword this whole time. He gave his sword to Fatima عنها, and Fatima Zahra was washing off the blood from that sword and the Prophet was praising Abu Dujana that surely he did right by that haqq, he did right by that by that he did justice by the amana, by the trust that was given to him radiallahu anhu, defending the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam in every single moment of that battle radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. And so he goes down in history as one of the great heroes of Uhud for that reason. And subhanAllah, we find later on that every single battle, he's on the front line. In the battle of Khaybar, Abu Dujana radiallahu ta'ala anhu was on the front line. In the battle of Hunain. Uh, he was one of those who actually changed the momentum of Hunain, because he took out the flag bearer uh, on the other side in the battle of Hunain, And there were only a few that were standing with the Prophet Sallallahu in the battle of Hunain at the end. So every single battle, it's not like Abu Dujana relented because of the experience of Uhud. Every single battle, he's there with the Prophet Sallallahu and he's fighting alongside the messenger of Allah ﷺ and trying to protect him from every single harm that comes his way. And so in the battle of Hunayn, again, he... Goes forth and he basically changes the momentum by taking out the flag bearer. The Prophet entrusts him in Hajjatul Wada', in the uh, farewell Hajj, by appointing him as the governor of Medina in his absence. So this was a sign as well that the Prophet loves him. And basically, this is his life, right? Always being the hero that goes forth when very few people were willing to go forth. And subhanAllah, we find that the last battle that he participates in is the battle of Yamama which was the battle against Musaylam al-Kathab, of the false prophet who of course had just demonstrated the worst of brutality, right, towards the Muslims and had done all sorts of things to the Muslims. This was a man that was crucifying people, right, Habib ibn Uzayd uh, famously because they wouldn't call him a prophet of Allah and it was in this battle that you find that Al-Bara'a ibn Malik radiAllahu ta'ala anhu, the brother of Anas anhu was the one who said, launch me into hadiqatul maut which was the garden of death. It was the garden immediately surrounding Musaylim al-Kadhab. And basically the only way to change the momentum of Yamama, Al-Bara'a said, go ahead and just launch me into there. So Al-Bara'a ibn Malik went forth, Abdullah ibn Zayd, whose brother was crucified uh, by Musaylim al-Kadhab went forth. Wahshi ibn Harb as we mentioned is the one who throws the spear the same one who threw the spear at Hamza radiyallahu anhu throws the spear at Musaylama. and Abu Dujana radiyallahu ta'ala anhu asked as well to basically jump into hadiqatul maut so he goes to the high point of the fortress and he goes forth and he says "Anasimak simak abu dujana lest to be the dhillin wala mahana wala jaban al qalbi bi la khayra fi qaumin bi khana he said that, I am Sammak Abu Dujana, I am not one who holds any sense of humiliation or disgrace, nor am I a coward at heart or one who is weak. And he says, there is no khayr, there is no goodness in a people who turn their backs on their faith. And as he jumps in, عنه, he breaks his leg. So that's this basically becomes the cause for some of his weakness in that battle of Yamama, that he jumped from such a high place into that garden. He was able to strike Musayyimah Al-Kaddaab once and even Wahshi radiallahu anhu. Uh, he says, a'lamu I don't know which one of us actually was the one who's responsible for the death of Musayyimah Al-Kaddaab. If it was the spear that I threw at him or if it was the strike of Abu Dujana radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And at that point, an arrow hit his chest and his eyes looked into the sky and he... Leaves this world, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, doing the only thing that he was known for, which was being a hero in battle. Now, subhanallah, I wanted to use this opportunity. Usually, we end with a companion at their death, but I wanted to rewind a bit. Uh, when he dies, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he has a wife named Amina, and he leaves behind one son. Can anyone guess what his son's name would be? Who's the Sahabi that's most famous for battle? He has one son named Khalid, <laughs> just shows you the way that time goes on. Khalid عنه, who actually was the one that caused the turn of events in Uhud, but would become Muslim later on. Uh, Abu Dujana has one son and he names him after the great warrior Khalid But there's something about his character as well. Now, there's a famous story about uh, Abu Dujana. Uh, that doesn't have a primary source to it. So I'm actually giving this disclaimer because there's a moral to be extracted from the story about character, but I couldn't find it in any of the primary sources of seerah. Right, you'll find in some of the contemporary writings that after Salah, Abu Dujana used to leave the prayer right away. And the Prophet asked why he would receive right away. He wouldn't make his dhikr, he wouldn't do his dua. And it was because he told the Prophet that he had a Jewish neighbor and the tree of that Jewish neighbor extended into his, his backyard. And basically sometimes the grapes or the dates would fall from that tree. And out of amana, out of a sense of trust, he wanted to go collect it and give it to his neighbor because he didn't feel like it was his right. So it's sort of a noble story of Abu Dujana that is mentioned in some of the books, but it doesn't have a sanad, a chain in particular. But subhanAllah, the most amazing and astonishing thing, and this could be the whole dars about this man radiallahu ta'ala anhu, is actually a narration about a time he thought he was going to die. Obviously when people used to get sick back then, uh, you always hear that they have a fever and then they passed away, right? Because there are very few uh, times where you have a diagnosis of what exactly is causing a person to be ill. Here's a man Allahu Anhu, a hero of Islam, who's known for battle. And he seems to be dying in this situation and people are visiting him to pay their final respects to him as he lays in his bed Allah ta'ala Anhu with this hot fever. And Zayd ibn Aslam radiallahu anhu says that we entered upon Abu Dujana wahua marreed while he was sick. Qala wa kana wajhuhu yathallal. He said his face was just glowing. Like the man's face was glowing. As if it was a moon. So we said to him, Madi wajhika, yatahallal. Like what is it about your face that is glowing? Like what are you seeing right now? What are you thinking about? What's giving you the most hope right now. Now subhanAllah, if you're Abu Dujana, or if you're the person asking this question, someone says to you, why do you think you're gonna go to Jannah? Why do you have hope in Allah right now? What's your mind gonna go to? What do you think? Of, of- the dua of the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi and, and broader than that, Uhud you will say, you know, I always was out there fighting and I was always out there leading the way and I never backed down from a challenge and I always defended the weak and I always did this and I stood up for the truth. And you'd start to mention all of these things, right? If you're Abu Dujana radiAllahu anhu, don't you think that's what gives him hope? And Abu Dujana radiAllahu anhu responds, this man, the man of the red bandana who wore his red bandana before every battle, قَالَ مَا مِنْ عَمَلِ شَيْءٍ أَوْثَقُوا عِنْدِي مِنْ اسنتين. He said, there are two things. That give me hope in this moment when I meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He said, number one, I never used to talk about things that don't concern me. I minded my own business. Subhanallah. <laughs> and the Prophet said, one of the signs of a person's Islam being good is that they mind their own business. He said, I never used to get involved in people's business. I didn't talk about things that don't concern me. So, you know, usually a person who's really out there, right? Who's got this sort of portfolio of boasting in war and taunting and he's got his clothes, he's got his moves. But he said, I never used to talk about things that don't concern me. And he said, the second thing, كان قلبي للمسلمين salima. He said, my heart to all of my brothers and sisters was always pure. I never held anything in my heart against any of my brothers and sisters. Subhanallah. All that he did, and the thing that gives him hope is that his heart was clean and his tongue was clean. He's not talking about his sword, he's not talking about his hand, he's not talking about his heroics. He's talking about the mujahada which is far harder than all of that, mujahadatun nafs was shaytan, to strive against yourself and to strive against the shaytan and don't involve yourself in things that are going to cause you regret on the day of judgment. He said that's what I'm hopeful to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with. Now, if that's what he thought would get him into Jannah despite everything that he did ta'ala anhu, what about ourselves? And so it gives you some perspective into the, the balance that the Prophet was creating in these men. Even the people that used to fight back then, they used to fight for lowly things and so they had lowly behavior. But look at the nobility of this man عنه, and ta'ala anhu, look at the character that the Prophet instilled in him. And when you start thinking about yourself, well, I'm never gonna have an Abu Dujana like, you know, Portfolio or profile, look at what Abu Dujana would have put at the top of his profile. That I never used to talk about people and I used to keep my heart clean in regards to them. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward these heroes of Islam, Abu Dujana radiallahu anhu, and all of those ansar and Muhajirin that surrounded our Prophet in his most vulnerable moment of uhud. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to inculcate their zeal, their love, their character, their strength, their courage in every way possible and manifest that in our hearts so that it becomes a reality of our lives as we read about their lives may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us for our shortcomings Allahumma amin inshallah ta'ala uh, next week we will will continue and we'll talk about uh, Khubayb ibn Adi radiAllahu ta'ala anhu inshallah ta'ala i will see you all then wa wa baraka wa ala wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh This podcast was brought to you by Yaqeen Institute for Islamic Research. Dismantling doubts and nurturing conviction, one truth at a time. Tune in every week for the next episode. And don't forget to subscribe to this channel and share with friends. Until next time, this has been The Firsts, the Forerunners of Islam.